Hello, everybody. My name is Tess Guzmel from iSocial Execution, and welcome to the Event Tech Pull-Up. We are so happy for you to pull up with us today because we have a special episode for you. So let me introduce my famous, fun-loving partner in crime, Keith Johnson. I don't know what it is, man. I just can't, can never, like, I need to have, like, get, like, some energy or something and, like, jump out and be like, ta-da, yes. it's key. I'm going to do the old-fashioned cue cards for you. I'm going to ship them to Neela and have her set them up right in front of your computer okay. screen. So then that way they're sitting there. Tess is about to cue you. Get excited. <laughs> We know, we know, we embrace low tech and high tech, always an event tech bullet. You know, it was actually, I, I'm, I'll, I'll do an industry shout out to Adrian Seeger. Okay. Right? He well, was love Adrian. Love Adrian. I, I haven't know. seen him in a bit. No, we should have him on one day. Because yeah. you know what? He, he actually taught me something. Uh-oh. What did he teach you We now? had done it back in the early days of podcasting, probably like way back in, I don't know, 2010. 18 to 20? Yeah, exactly. Uh, he and I were actually having a conversation and he was like, you know, a post-it note is technology. And I was like, and it like a light bulb went off for me. And I'm like, holy crap, it truly is, right? It is technology. It is. It's not high tech, but it is tech. It is. Because anything we introduce to society that shifts and change how we do what we do on a regular basis is still yeah. technology. Absolutely. I mean, the wheel is, was to, I mean, that was high tech at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And we could go on and on and on. So Keith, this is a special episode. Um, when we kicked off the event tech pull-up in March, which seems so long ago, because we have over 10 episodes now, which is amazing. And um, it was all, uh, it was all us actually that, you know, in the, in the beginning on this show and then we have these amazing guests so now is the time for us to kind of come back into the fold and talk about a couple of things which is really just you and i i'm sure our viewer and re and uh listening audience will go down because they don't want to hear just us but <laughs> <laughs> they're all gonna be hitting delete <laughs> it's like oh god what are they talking about now i, I gotta go <laughs> Woo, they're extra silly i can only take silly but so much um <laughs> So let's, let's kick off with a little news as we normally do. And then we have a few surprises for our audience a little later in the show. News. And I only got one item in the news for this, for this episode. And it is basically, are you, are, okay. Some people are saying we're reaching critical mass. And I say we're reaching critical stupid. <laughs> um, because... Absolute and and this and, and I don't mean that as an offense to the companies that I, I will mention here, but it seems like everybody has a virtual event platform now. They drank the VE Kool-Aid. Oh like in the past like week I've gotten notices about Aventry, Omnipress, Events Air, Streampoint. Uh, like they, they all have they're all coming out Uber. with virtual events. There's yeah. so many. You know, meeting play. And, okay, great, right? I, 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 I think it's awesome. And, and some of these are actually really, really, really good tools. Um, in fact, uh, two of the ones that I've mentioned, I actually have meetings with next week 
um, with a client that we're going to look at these. But I, I think that there is such a plethora, yeah, I use the word plethora, uh, of, of virtual platforms. It is so confusing to the meeting and events world. Right? That people don't realize that there are ones, you know, if you look at a platform like Hey Summit, right, it really doesn't do like the trade show part, right? It doesn't have anywhere where you can, you know, have exhibitors, but then you've got some uh, like Hubelo that does. And I, I think that people are just getting really, really confused. I yeah. think that we should you dedicate got, all- You got Feedloop, you've got VFair, you've got people who've been out there, Lundrata, people who've been out there for a long time. So you've got StreamYards, people hit me up last night saying, Tess, I need to make a decision about a platform. Can I just go with StreamYard? I'm really familiar with that. I don't have to do that many breakouts and I need to do this and that. And then I'm like, what? Let's just take a step back. Let's look at what you really need. Let's see what that might. And most people don't have good budgets these days, right? Yep. And they're forced to do it. I, in my opinion, Keith, more people who never had to do events or having to do events and never mm -hmm. had to put budget money to events, or if they did, they weren't that much to begin with and have to do things more often. So they're looking for ways in which they can use things like Google Classroom or some other solution that may be free or freemiums or um, smaller amount of money to do it and maybe the platform works for them maybe it doesn't what questions do they ask all kinds of stuff so yes it is market oversaturation well and here's the thing right we're tech people right I'm not I, I'm a tech guy um, but there are so many platforms out there I actually it's like what did that one do again yeah. Right. And it's, you know, so here's what I did. I, I have taken, I found, you know, all those industry spreadsheets that are going around that have all the platforms on it. And personally, I have merged them all. Right. And then I have actually weeded them out. I, I've got the ones that are broadcast only, the ones that are conference or summit only, the ones that do have a trade show component. And I've whittled it down to my top four. You did that, Keith, and didn't I tell did. me and didn't even ask my opinion. Oh, I'm hurt because I was coming up with an idea on how we could do a couple of things because uh -huh. I think it's some stuff that I want to add to that. <laughs> Just saying, everybody Bye. hears it. National so TV is breaking news. Tess is hurt. No. <laughs> I haven't shared it with anybody yet. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, and it's just so I can keep them straight. Yeah. Because I mean, honest, if, if, if the tech people are going, huh, right. Imagine what it's like for someone who has their regular job and now has to also do a virtual event. Mm -hmm. I mean, the biggest thing that I see that's happening with this is you have, there was actually, where, where did we hear that story about someone who actually an industry person, they didn't know what they were getting themselves into and they spent like $75,000. I can't. I can't. And it was, I, like, and it, and it was like a single track, single day thing. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, like. It wasn't even multi layered. It wasn't yeah. even lots of engagement. Yep. I mean, I was on a, a, um, a, web, a webinar two days ago, and someone asked the question, uh, "How much should we? How much does this, How much does, does it cost?" And I'm like, 
you can't say how much does it cost to produce a virtual event because you don't even know all the components of what you need. And are you yep. really talking about the platform? Are you talking about the labor that goes into the production along with the platform? Are you talking about the planning of the event along with the production, along with the platform? What is your question? Right. <laughs> well, it's a big question. It's, it's like, right? It's like, go buy a car. Okay. What kind of car? Right. Are we getting a 1986 Yugo? off of a used lot for 200 bucks, mm -hmm. you know, or are we getting a Lamborghini, right? I mean, they're, they're and everything. And do between. I need a Lamborghini? No, most people don't. Most people I might just, need a Honda. That's what mo most people actually just need a good Honda Accord. It's a, it, it would be a beautiful thing, but they don't know how to get to that. And no. I don't know that, you know, Keith and I are working on a couple of projects coming up that we're excited about that will help maybe help that thought process. Yes. How you kind of get to asking the right questions. What are the right questions? You know, how can you, it, there's so many out there and you want things in your arsenal to choose to use, right? But it doesn't mean that you have to know everything all the time, but you definitely need to know that Zoom is not gonna be your virtual event platform for producing events. Yeah, it's, well, it isn't, uh, you know, because most people, most people don't know what a CDN is, right? That is a content delivery network. That is your Vimeos, your Zooms, your, right? Then there is the plat, then there's the virtual event platform. Typically a CDN will plug into the platform. Sometimes the platform might have a CDN built in. There's so many things. Mm -hmm. So many things that go into it. That's why it's good to talk to people who can talk to you about strategy yes. and technology just in general and let you vent and moat and the like. Um, so if I was to say, Keith, how many companies are saying they do virtual, what does that really mean? Because, you know, the topic of this news is about that everyone has it, right? But no one's saying what that means. I have friends who early on produced <clears throat> one of the spreadsheets that you're talking about. And these were event marketers. There were a couple of planners a part of the process. And AV team is a part of the process that got the questions up and going and made it available to everyone so that they can put in their thoughts on the platforms of what they were experiencing, right? But you still have to do the work around, does that really fit your need, right? Well, and because someone says, yeah, we're going virtual, is it that that company literally went virtual or did they give you <laughs> something else? <laughs> well, and then everybody and their brother now, beyond creating a virtual platform, right? All the tech companies are now a virtual platform. You know, every company that lost business planning events is now pivoting to virtual. Like, I'm happy to say I did my first virtual event in 2008. <laughs> so we've been in virtual a long time. And, and I mean, more power to them, right? A lot of them have the brain power to do it, right? They, they can make that pivot. But I mean, I'm literally in industry groups. And I saw some person, uh, you know, the other day saying, oh, you know, does anyone have a virtual event contract? And it's like, wow. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's, it's like people are coming up with all of these things as if certain things have existed. I, you know, I totally agree. Like, um, 
even when it comes to certifications. Uh, I've been listening to some of the webinars and the, and the content that's coming through some of the groups. Um, and people really excited about more people getting to, you know, getting their BES, um, their, their digital event strategist certificate or certification, I should say. There's some certificate programs out there. There's some things I never heard of before that are out there. And I don't know if they're reputable mm -hmm. or not. Fine, you know, information is information. It's really truly content. It's all about who does what with the knowledge that they gain. We not went, again, it's not about who the experts are because, ex in my mind, experts don't exist anymore. It's funny, you we're know, in new territory. Everything well, is new. We went from zero to the wild, wild west in like two seconds. You're right about there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all of a sudden, it's like uh right you know and it, then, it was it was a crazy yeah. spin it is. it is you know even being able to data mine like you do for for your clients is very key right how can you bring things together to help them deliver i mean you know um it had been talked so long like the importance of having an event technologist as someone who can look at your technologies but really um, that is very new to people, and now they see the value of that key. But some like, do. Yeah. Yeah, some do, but I think more so now because <laughs> they've got to produce some things. Um, you know. Well, because when, when you're looking at virtual event platforms and things, right, you already have a suite of tools that you use, right, in your office, right? And, you know, maybe it's Salesforce, maybe it's Sugar CRM, maybe it's whatever, right? Or, you know, all of these. Well, you know what, maybe start looking, start there, right? Look for a platform that plugs into things that you already use. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you know, I don't know. It's hard. It's, it, 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 is. it is. So um, that brings me to our lovely subject, which is that Keith and I have a lovely announcement to make. We've come up with something called Dun, da, 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 da. This is when I can imagine something's coming on a screen that's going to look like this and get them all Should excited. I make something that like, goes like this? Yeah, and there's you, some music to go in it and something to slide across the screen and then the something three, goes boom. Can you do that? I can, for the three <laughs> people that actually would look at this on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> let's do that. And we can change the backgrounds and stuff. Uh, but we uh, ha are going to be doing in the future, the near what, future. So uh, like a week from tomorrow. Yeah, it's called. Dun, dun, dun. It's called what? Look, now I'll dance for it. Okay. Ooh. Oh it's no! Called, you can tell them what it's called. What's, what's it called? It's called Thirsty Thursdays. Let's take a drink. <laughs> Even though that's coffee from this morning, but no, yeah, no, and mine's water. <laughs> but on but on Thursday it won't be. No, it won't be. It's Thirsty Thursdays. We're going to dedicate and give in an hour, give or take or so. Um, 90 uh, minutes, maybe less. Yeah. Yes, of course. Um, to our lovely community. And we want you all to be able to pull up with us and ask us any questions that you'd like to. Keith, tell them about the vetting process because this is going to be a very different way of engaging. So. <laughs> you got to register. This is one you got to register for, right? And this is actually for planners. So sorry, suppliers, this is not for you. 
Um, but basically it is for planners to come in. They can register. And then on a Thursday evening, I think it is at seven o'clock central time. Um, we will have a eight o'clock my time, which is Eastern Eastern time. We will actually just have a zoom meeting and, and, and we're not, it's not going to be high tech. It's not going to be all these things. It's going to be very, just come into the Zoom and we are going to chat. And what are we going to chat about? We're going to chat about what you want to chat about. Mm -hmm. So if you have questions about virtual event technology, if you have questions about registration systems, event software, event platforms, all of that good stuff, whatever it happens to be, you can ask. On Thursday, Thursdays, you can bring a friend if you'd like to bring a friend. But again, there have to be- I don't have any friends. You don't have any friends, but that's okay. There are people who know you. Did you know that? Yeah, some do. <laughs> because he, he is, again, let's do a reveal. He is Planner Wire. Whatever. And this is for planners. Right, Planner Wire. This is for planners. His wife's a planner. I'm just saying. The company does. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, this is just for you all to ask us those questions. Uh, we have seen you all as we've been out. Um, face-to-face before, you know, um, IRL, as people call it now, and they always making terms for things that are hot and cute. Well, and, um, and you don't get the chance to ask those questions and just say, let's share your screen. How you do that? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, and here's the cool thing, right? And, and, you know, it doesn't matter to us. Like, Tess and I don't have massive egos. So if we get two people, that's actually even better for you. Because then you've got us for the whole hour. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, if we get 20 people, we'll figure it out. But again, you know, just a really nice way. And then we can meet other planners and we're connecting people and all those good things. Yeah, cool stuff. Very low tech. Only yeah. tech is Zoom. So you want to pull up with us on a Thursday at 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern time to Thirsty Thursdays. And that means you need to bring something, water or something else cute little glass cup. I'm bringing, I'm bringing something out. You can just it's, have it's, it in your it, hand and then just go it. like this and do splash, whatever you like. I'm bringing something else because it's going to be after, it's going to be seven o'clock at night. <laughs> yes, definitely. So please um, share with those, you know, we are at the eventtechpullup.com is our uh, website. Our hashtag is pullupbuzz. Share it with people and we would love, love to have you and answer questions and learn. I think most importantly is this should be a sharing opportunity. It's not us coming in um, as experts. It's us coming in, guiding, leading conversation and knowing what's out there so that we can be able to deliver services to our industry that they really, truly need and not guess about them. And how many times, Tess, have we been somewhere and a planner who didn't think they were tech would teach us something ah. happens all the time all the time because technology as people are realizing is all about the pov another yes. acronym. it's about the point of view where do you sit when you're engaging with what you're engaging with is totally different than someone else and if you don't have the ability to realize not everyone has a point of view then you then you're not going to understand the concept of there are no experts it's just people who know how to work with things a little better than others that's it Welcome back to the Event Tech Pull-Up. Again, we're so happy to have you. My name is Tess Fismel from iSocialX, and partner in crime is... Keith Johnston with Planner Wire and i3Events. No pause there, Tess. No pause. <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely. Finally, we got it right. So, 
we would like to welcome today someone is very dear to my heart um and he is what i call innovative he is progressive and he has forged territory in the event tech industry as a quiet storm and you will see why really really soon so welcome to the event tech pull up donald collins how are you doing today i'm doing good hello hello we're here thanks to be on, glad to be on the show Good. So let's tell you a little bit about Donville and why he means so much to me. So Donville started his first business in technology at age 12 and by 14 was the youngest certified producer at BronxNet. Before age 18, he became a sought-after faith-based TV producer broadcasting, broadcasting to over 80 million worldwide viewers. He started his corporate video production business in 2006 while in his sophomore year of film school and went on to work with organizations including TD Bank, United Way, and Malibu Rum. He has been featured in some of the leading event tech sites, on some of the uh, leading event tech sites, and was honored as 2015 40 Under 40 Rising Star and received a 2016 Wonderkinds, or Wonder Kids, as I say, award by 914 Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the show, Donville. Thank you, thank you. Keith, uh, did I do okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I couldn't have done better. So yeah, you did good. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I got to impress my friend. the kids right, too. <laughs> <laughs> so we're happy to have you uh, here. Uh, so Keith, tell, 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 tell Donville uh, a little bit about what you want to know from him. Um, so... Again, I do that all the time. I lose my train of thought, but luckily we can edit, right? Uh, so so we're, I'm going to jump right in. And the, the, my first question actually has two parts, right? It's, it's, you've been doing this for a long time. You know, how, how did you get into the, the field, right? Because, because you're a slacker, right? I mean, you were you, you are really old at 12 when you first started doing this kind of stuff. Um, you know, so how, what, what kind of made you go into video? And the second part of the question is, once you finally got there, right, and you're going to start your own production company, why VCast? So um, the way I got into it was actually um, – Prior to age 12 and prior to those years, the only thing I really did a lot of was actually music. Um, I play, I actually play five instruments professionally too on a professional level. Um, and by, but by the time I was graduating um, um, elementary school, my, my principal thought that I was going to want to go to um, a, um, a music school or creative school because she, I pretty much played the piano for all of the school's events because I just loved doing it so much. But at, at about sort of getting out of that and then going into um, to middle school, um, I and, and even in middle school, even I was in the last year of middle school, which is at age 13, like they all thought I was gonna be doing music. And I told them like, I'm not interested in that at all. By that time I had already became a certified producer. But the way I got into it was because at my church, uh, my home church, I go to a church in the Bronx. Um, I still go to that church, but um, that's how I got into the media industry entirely. My dad was a touring musician, um, um, and I saw like what he did um, in the early years and everything he did. He did music videos and and did tours and music and all of that. And then, um, uh, you know, I got into 
media because of that exposure. But in my church, they needed a they needed people to actually learn how to do the TV production. At at one point, they were hiring someone from the TV station to do all the church's videos that they aired to TV to the local station. And then at one point, she had a disabled son, and she just wasn't able to do it anymore. And it was going to be difficult. And by that time, we had already sort of established um, a presence in the Bronx as a church that did media um, videos for TV. And it was just like there was no option to not do it anymore. You had you had to. So the pastor said you know, let's send three people who might be interested in it to go to the station and train, to be trained on how to do it. And I, I put up my hand because when she, when the lady that was there, and I remember her name to this day, her name was Stacy. Um, when she was there, I was always over her shoulder, um, just looking at what she's doing. And she saw that I was interested, but I was always, I had to leave her to go play the piano and play the drums and play the bass. I, I had to go actually play. So um, when once I got trained on it and got official training and came back, then it was just like, well, I really love this thing. And people started at that point, start to, started to see that I was not nearly as passionate about music as I was about doing video. So that's where it sort of came in. It was like right at that beginning stages um, where I saw that. And I don't know if my, if maybe seeing some old music videos of my dad, um, maybe influenced me mentally too, where I, I, I got interested in video then too. I don't know, because I saw that before all of that time, but I think it was that Stacy doing it for the church. So that's yeah. how I got into it. And then fast forward, like you mentioned years later for VCAS, the actual original name of the company and the actual registered business name is not VCAS, it's actually um, Debo Media Inc. And that comes from my nickname, Debo. And that was before the movie Friday. So, <laughs> <laughs> So I've always, my dad that we is, love, right? <laughs> yeah. So in actuality, how you know this came about and the passions of it came from a dream that I had when I was a teenager, where I actually saw the building. I saw um, I saw two buildings. One was a video company building, and the other one was a technology company building. And they were both had the name Debo on it, but there was two different services. And I saw a building, and I saw the street, and I saw the parking lot, and inside the in the dream, I went inside the video building and saw editing suites and cameras and studios and, and all of that. So in the dream, I've, all, I've had it. And at the time I had it, I wasn't necessarily um, thinking that far ahead, but I had it and I thought it was strange. And then and I woke up and I said, I told my dad what I saw. He was like, you should draw what you saw and put it away. <laughs> and he, um, I actually drew it, thought I put it away well, but of course, completely lost it and completely forgot about that dream in the following years. Fast forward later, my dad actually, uh, my mom, fast forward year when the company is doing well and I have all these employees and then, and I have, um, we're not at that level yet of what I saw, but I, but what I saw in the dream, we're on the way there. And granted, like, like it was in the dream, our two main services, one is video related, video production related, and the other one is technology related. I've always been involved in the two things without even realizing it. I didn't remember that at all. The time I remembered it is when my mom, one of the days when I went to service, she brought the picture to me and said, do you remember this? Oh, and I was like, that's cool. oh my gosh, I haven't seen this forever. And I was, I always thought that it was lost and in the times that I moved that it's just, you know, and I, I didn't even really remember about it. So even seeing it, I would have never thought. She wow. was like, 
she said to me, you think we would have allowed you to hold on to <laughs> She said, no way. And even at that time, I'm a grown man. I, I'm married with kids. And I was like, can I have it? She was like, no. <laughs> She's like, you're not getting this. I said, you can, she said, you can make a copy of it and you can do whatever, but I'm still keeping the original. Oh, that's darling. Yes, because a, your mom is a smart lady. <laughs> it was in pristine condition, no folds, no creases. And I'm just like, you know what? If you can keep it in this condition for this long, you should keep it. <laughs> I made a copy of it and, and brought it to the office, put it on a big uh, um, canvas, explained it to my team. So it even created more clear vision for a team of where we're heading. But they could see my little kitty drawing, architectural drawing of what I saw. But it's that's that amazing. See, and that I think if you really, <clears throat> I like, I think if you go to Cupertino, California, they do have an Apple Museum. So someday when they have the VCast Museum, that'll yeah. be hanging right in the right when you walk in in the lobby. Yeah. Absolutely, it definitely will. People yeah. actually that come to our office ask me then like, what is that? What is, then, I, then I got to explain. And then I actually made a Facebook video about it at the time, like just a couple days after I got it from her. Um, so uh, I did a whole Facebook video explaining this. So some of the people that come to my office, they're like, oh, I saw the video you did about this. Yeah. They know the story. <laughs> That's cool. Actually, so it's a Facebook video, so maybe we can link to it in the, in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'd love, because you, you, you talked about it so vividly. We definitely want to our viewers to see it uh, and listeners yeah. to see it as well. So Donvo, how have you pivoted in your event technology through, with your event technology through this pandemic? And it's, um, we realized actually Keith and I talked about the other day, so many companies um, changing their services, upgrading their services or moving in this direction. So tell us what Vcast, A first, tell us what Vcast is about and has been doing. And then B, if you tell us, you know, and then what? Okay, cool. So essentially VCAST, our main services, we help businesses, we help nonprofits to tell really good um, quality and engaging stories using visuals, using video, using technology. It's a really a mashup of visuals, technology, and production just all in one. And the way how that is broken up is, as I kind of um, alluded to, is there's different services. Our core service from the very beginning has always been video production. We help tell really powerful and engaging stories. That's always been the pinnacle of everything. But then at the same time, on the other side of it is we are experts at using technology and visuals to really engage people in events. That's a big piece of it. And that's actually how you and I, test met many years ago. And it's really, um, um, so what particularly in what it is and it means is that from the event technology side, we offer different types of technology that are meant to engage people in events or to have them be more engaged with the event. And um, um, our big technology um, in that space is the fundometer right now. It's really the technology that helped us um, step out. Um, the original technology that you and I met on, uh, on um, test was called the fundamental, I mean, the multiplayer. So it's a VCAST multiplayer where the whole purpose of that was to help events to better engage your attendees with not just the content that you're usually displaying on your screen at your events, but also any other kinds of content like social media feeds and all of that and sponsors all in the same screen. Where most that of was the right. that was IRL, that was in, in real life, face to face. Exactly. 
And then a lot of what a lot of events do most of the time is if they have multiple screens stood up around their events, they just put a computer on it and they run PowerPoint for the entire day. Oh, that is looping all day or it's a feed that's coming from the main point but it's just very it's, it's kind of a screen where i always said no one is paying attention to it so what's the point of it being there so that service was meant to that to, to kind of fix that problem but fast forward of uh, a little over a year almost two years into that technology it was very hard to sell and no one um um was was it, it took a lot of explaining explanation to get people to understand the value of it. You understood it, Tess, but a lot of people didn't fully grasp that. The Fundometer technology came out of one of the, the AV companies I was trying to pitch this to, for them to offer it to their clients saying that they have a bigger problem than this. They love the, te the, the technology, but they were like, it's gonna be really hard to find the right buyer for this. But I have a bigger problem. I have a whole lot of nonprofit clients that I have that have a lot of fundraising events. So they do over a hundred fundraising events a year and the fundraising technology they were using for their events, it's not that good and it's too expensive and expensive. And even if it did help raise a lot more money, the organization didn't really net more than the last time because they spent all that money paying the company. So he said to me, if you could build a technology, since you could do this cool thing that I can't, I, it'll be hard for me to find a buyer for, if you could build this thing for me, I'll have a lot of work for you. Build a build a, a fundraising technology that is easy to use and is, is, is affordable. Spent three months building it, programming it, testing it, really knocking it out. In the process too, sending him emails, updating him that we're making progress. Finished it, perfect, and literally tried to contact him and he never answered me. <laughs> never wow. answered me, never picked up the phone never responded to my email and I had a tracker on my emails. So I could see when he opens it and he just never responded. So I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's horrible. And why would you, you know, give yeah. me all that juice and then just completely ghost me. Um, but then I said, after about a month of trying, I said, this guy is just really ghosting me. And I have no reason why, because I haven't offended him in any way. I think, I don't know what happened. And he's never responded to me to this day. To this day. <laughs> so, but after he didn't respond to me, I said, you know what? Forget about him. I already built it. It's here. I know this is better than anything that's on the market. I'll get it out there myself and, and get it out to people. So I just went on a selling rampage for the next year and a half. And fast forward, the, the next year and a half, it became half of our revenue. So mm -hmm. it was competing with our video production business. And actually relating to that original technology a big part of what makes it different than any other fundraising technology is the original technology it's built into it built into it yeah. yeah yeah so it's just it's just ended up becoming an easy marriage so finally now fast make this quick is is 2020 we're here you're starting great year 2019 was a record year for us 2020 came in first quarter we're doing really well it's a record quarter right doing really well and really exciting pandemic happens all of a sudden of course we can't film anything because all of uh no one wants to be with each other all of our video film work that we're, we're just about getting ready to do some of them are big were big commercial productions big corporate productions some of our biggest that we've ever done all of a sudden uh we can't do this we have to cancel um everything that we were planning to do one of our biggest opportunities was with a uh a medical facility, a, a large one where they have four different locations. And we were gonna do this big three-day shoot with actors and crew and all of that. And they pretty much said, we have to cut the whole thing. We're not gonna be able to do it. And not only from uh, 
the situation was going on, but some of our very own doctors caught COVID Ugh. and they had to close their offices and they don't and know. You're in the, and you're in New York and we all know what's happening. Yeah, th that's yeah. one thing we didn't say. You're actually in New York. You were in the, the hot spot when the it started. The hot spot, exactly. So it was crazy. We lost all that business. And then, of course, as I said, the Fundimeter, which is an events technology, the entire events industry shut down. So then it was just like, all of our business went out the door. Um, and at first, it was very, it was very um, breaking for me, like uh, emotionally and wondering what's going on. And am I, am I going to have to lay off my employees? Um, what's going to happen? I have mortgage. I have two kids and a wife, you know. So I was thinking, like, what's going to happen? And then what made me pivot was that one of our clients that we were in the middle of post-production for, that we were editing their event, their video for their event that they were going to do, they were going to debut at their event for one of their honorees, saw that I did, a, I did a, my weekly stream, that same Facebook stream where I talked about the story on. Um, and they saw that that stream, I always did it, for, well, not always, in the very beginning, I did it dirty, but, but about um, two or three months into it, I started doing it, a produced live stream, because and all of this connects because in the beginning where we talked about me doing the work for all of those churches, for a lot of them, what I was doing for them was live video production. I was streaming everything before I was an adult. So my experience in live video streaming goes way back then. And I've always been doing it, always involved in it. And so when we started doing live streaming for me on my weekly live stream, it was kind of a normal thing. We were just doing it, but it was produced with lighting, audio, everything, and me queuing up the video and then it playing and it coming back to me and speaking and all of that. And they saw that. And even though I wasn't pitching that, they said, we see like what you guys do in your live stream every week. We, we follow it. We watch it. Why can't you guys, can you guys do something like that for us? And we just do our, our, our event online virtually through that as opposed to Zoom and WebEx and things of that nature. And I said, yeah, I, I think we could do that. That actually makes sense. And then we contracted it, started doing it. And then in the middle of, of, of starting to prepare theirs, then a couple of other clients contacted me asking me the same question. So it was at that point that I realized that, oh, crap, there's a big opportunity here because all of a sudden I'm realizing we could solve the problem that the same organizations that we work with, especially nonprofits, are having, where especially for nonprofits, when they don't have these events and their annual galas, they could be losing a third, a quarter, or fifty percent of their annual revenue. Exactly. So yep. They can't simply not have it. They they right. then have to shut down. So it was just like if we can help them drive almost at least that same revenue they had, or or even netting what they usually net, then this makes total sense, and we could build a business out of it. We did the first one, people saw it, and they saw the quality of it, and none of the other events that were doing it did it on that level. They were all doing Zoom virtual events or WebEx virtual events or Google virtual events, not in a way that it was a produced production. It was more like using the technology as a means to deliver right. the, the different pieces of content. This is a huge, I, this is a big deal that Keith and I talk about all the time, not understanding yeah. the differences. Yeah, it's a very big difference. So when people see it, they're like, wait, I want it to be like that. They don't want it to be like the other one that they saw. So at fast forward now, we're doing a lot more work in business than we ever have. We've grown a lot just since March, which and was not expected. And that includes the funder meter. So they, they are a, they're able to not only have a produced event, but actually raise money in this fundraising. 
Yeah. Yep. Fundraising, all of it. We've been using all of our services in there because we're editing everything that is that is used in the content. Well, if it's pre-recorded, and then there's live people in it from the different locations that we've been doing it for all different states around the country. And then um, as well as the Fundimeter. So all of our services are wrapped right into this whole new service, this, this new service that we, we branded at Bird Event Pro essentially, but it's essentially using all the skills that we've always already had. So our editors are still busy editing. Um, from a video yeah. production side, Filming, we've been re filming people remotely. We figured out a way to actually record very high quality video, controlling the person's camera and their recording and directing them without having to actually be there, getting pretty cool quality. And that is a game changer. That and is. Yeah. When you're talking about saving people money for programs mm -hmm. that they had, that they didn't have a whole lot of budget to begin with. Yeah, that still cuts down on. So you you're still allowing them to do several programs versus saying I have to put all my eggs in the basket on this one. Yep. Even when they pivot virtual, is that what I'm understanding? Yep, exactly. And they're really super grateful. We have an we had an event on this weekend where you know they were planning to cancel. They someone um one of our clients that we did one for told them you should get in contact with us, and they they uh you know raised $720,000 in a couple hours over the wow. week. Wow. Are you serious? Yes. So that's it was cool. like, that's the kind of thing is where it's like they, if they didn't get that $720,000, things would be very different. So instead of canceling, they still had it, spend less money and you net, some of them are netting more than they had before. So some of them are talking about like, even afterwards, they don't, they don't see, not having a virtual component anymore because right. they're raising more money than they did before. And part of it is because even if they, they, they are, they're grossing less, they're spending less. So they're yeah. needing a little bit more than they usually do. So their return is there, definitely. Yeah. Well, and, and that's actually gonna lead me into, into to my, my, next, my third question, or the third question, my next question. Um, and, and I was actually gonna ask, um, how you differentiate yourself from other companies, but I think that we got that right. I, I think that I think that it's the technology and the production side and 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 the pure institutional knowledge that you have, uh, you know, is a is a clear winner on on how you differentiate. But you just said something that totally sparked a question in my in my little brain, um, and that is, okay, so they went virtual and they raised a lot more money. Once we come out of COVID and once everything starts to go back to, I guess, what we'll call normal, do you think, as an expert in the industry, do you think that virtual events are going to play a bigger role even after COVID because organizations are finding that they can still raise money yet not have so so those we all know they'll still have their in-person events but but are some events just going to go virtual because for the organization they can raise just as much money um and you know uh, is virtual going to continue on even after covid is gone yeah so absolutely um and i think so because not only because um of what we're seeing trends wise but it's, it's looking at the, the the state of mind of everyone right now before COVID, you always had your people that are germaphobes, and 
<laughs> now, since this, everyone is a germaphobe, and who was not a who was who were germaphobes already are super germaphobes. Right. So I don't know, you know, what is the, how that's going to play off, but that's from the psyche of everyone. But definitely from the trend side, even from what we're seeing, is that we're, we're we have contracts into 2021, um, yeah. doing that because people. So all the inquiries, especially that we're getting now, are for September or October or November or December or into 2021. And then some of them um, are literally saying, look, um, they don't see that that they're gonna get the full attendance anymore. And it's because of that first point about the germaphobes is that some people, it's gonna take a few years for people to release that, that thought of um, what am I gonna get from someone else, you know? Right, exactly. Um, so yeah. that, that's gonna you're, take a while. You're on our page. Uh, well, and then I guess, even the live events, right? And I know this is actually something we've already discussed with many of our clients is even your live events are going to have a virtual component. They're going to be hybrid. It is going to be hybrid. Hybrid is going to be the way. I swear it's going to be a good 80% virtual of the mix, right? And 20% on face-to-face and that 20% face-to-face has to be innovative and has to be compelling enough for people to to be able to stop what they're doing to go do something else we'll do that yeah yeah because even for us like for all those for a lot of those that are for those later increase they're all for hybrid um because they that no matter what and tess you know how i am I, i'm a hugger and a kisser i like hugging yeah. i like kissing i like i like shaking hands and in most cases sometimes i meet people the first time um and i'll kiss you the first time you know so that it's like we kind of have, you know, everyone. I just you just like to meet people, right? You know, and and um and touch people. I love relationships. My wife says that I'm a really I'm super touchy feely, and I'm like, <laughs> that's how I am. That's how my parents raised hey, me. I love. But but did you see? There was a I saw a story yesterday that came out that said uh, uh, hugging actually isn't a big transmitter of COVID. Really? Yeah, it's more so the handshaking and the and the aerosol but hugging we actually, hug it up huh yeah, we, might, we might be able <laughs> to, go back to, to hug up <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool so so, so Tomble, in closing i want to ask you or talk to you about um something because i want to make mention of the times that we're in right yeah. um at this time we are, have been forced to look at life differently than we have with COVID pandemic. And then as Keith and I term this as two pandemics, and that's the statistic, I keep messing up, systemic racism that exists, right? And the issues that we have around the protests and this being really truly a, a sense where people are saying, okay, well then now I'm about to put my money towards black businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have people who tell me all the time, I didn't know that there was a black event tech company, right? We you're going to be the second one that we've interviewed so far. I knew that they exist. Or if they're Black people who produce events, virtual events, and have been for a while now. Um, So how does it, how do you think the landscape may shift and change just by nature of bringing some awareness that you do exist, right? That you still can do the work, that you have an extremely diverse staff, right? And have had relationships with companies and businesses for a long time. Time, yeah, yeah. I definitely think it's it's shifted. Um, I see it. It's very clear. I actually had a conversation this week with 
an event company in Chicago who um, was met, met with me and I did a presentation for them. They really love what they saw. And they're one of the largest um, event production companies um, in Chicago, actually in the country. They, they produce some of the largest events with celebrities and major people. And um, they were surprised pretty much that at all, they were referred to us by the CEO of, and I don't even remember what it's called now, but one of the largest newspapers I, I understand in, in Chicago. So, and, and I'm saying, she's saying it to me, like, I know the guy. I'm like, I'm not sure I know who that is, but it's really cool that he would be referring to me because I don't, I don't even know, you know, this thing. But then she's saying to me that she was surprised because she never knew that there was a, a black owner of, of such a really clear product and really thought out product or service. So in her experience, every time she's met the people that were the best, they were always, always in most cases, not black. So it was kind of like a new experience for her. But what she was saying is that, you know, she's glad that what she is seeing is the best and the owner just happens to be black. So it's not, because I think what some people are doing is they're just going to, and I, I understand the sentiment of what they're trying to do, but they're just essentially going to be dumping um, uh, money into just where is the closest black owner business. And then at the same time, it doesn't mean that they actually have the skill set. And at the end of the day, if you can't deliver, it's only going to look bad on us if we right. can't deliver. Right. Mm -hmm. So part of like, and my, I've always felt like this. So one of the things is like, I could be registered as an MWBE. I've been being told that for many years as a minority, a woman, um, um, what's the BE stand? Business owner. Business owner or business entrepreneur or something of the sort. But I, I could have been that for years, but I, at the, at the beginning, I would do it now, but at the beginning I was just against it. Cause I'm just like, um, I, I, don't, I want when someone is hiring me, they're hiring me, me because I'm the best, not because I'm black or they have a restriction or requirement to, to give a certain amount of business for black businesses. I want it to be, you're hiring me because uh, we're better than everything else. So I try to create really clear differentiation from everyone else and create really um, clear demand for why you need us and we just happen to be black. I mean, I think it would be beneficial for them, at least for their books, if we were an MWBE that they, that the books say that, but at the same time, I, it hasn't been a, a priority for me because at the end of the day, when they want good service, it doesn't really matter who they hire, who the owner is. They just want to hire the best um, of the company. So I think in the long term, it will, it's, I, I would also add though, um, just so it's not even um, misconstrued is, and I think you understand this test as well. I'm sure you do as well, Keith, is that, at the end of the day, though, is that we have been ignored for a very long time. And I fought very hard myself to be recognized. Even going to the PCMA event and, and being, um, um, and I was, had my trade show booth there. And I remember how much I spent to get there and the, tr the plane ticket and the hotel and the money I spent at that time, where at that time, I was, it was two of us in the company. And it was a huge investment. And I, I remember being there and I'm saying, I'm the only black guy in these booths and a black owner. And, and, and all of, and I don't know if you remember this test, all of the other booths, 
if there was a black person there, they were working for the owner who wasn't black. So it was almost all entirely non-black owners. And I was just like, this is bad. And actually it was featured in an article recently here in Westchester, Westchester Magazine, where they, they had called me to interview me about this. And this was prior to the pandemic, prior to um, um, George Floyd, where that's one of the points I made in there is when I'm going to these events and I'm meeting people, meeting other owners, of 100 people, I might be one of three black people in the room. And I said, that happens because of not only lack of exposure and lack of education, but also just, just um, uh, a, a straight up ignorance or ignoring of there is nothing there. There's nothing, there, the quality, people just kind of inertly kind of think that there isn't a, a quality um, provider. Right. Right. That's black. I think, and 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 sometimes I see it even when when I meet people for the first time. And some those are some of the things I had to overcome in the beginning. So I had to find a different way to present myself, just to make sure that they didn't underestimate me. And I made sure that, without a doubt, we're the absolute best. So you're not questioning that, because right. otherwise, when you look at me the first time, your first thought is, oh, this is just a guy kind of just doing a thing, and he doesn't really know what he's doing yet. So I had a, I had to. I couldn't just present. I had to over-present myself just to kind of be an option to think through. So I do know that it's there. I think it will definitely pay some effect. And now that there's more awareness, people will do more. But I definitely think that we as Black folks need to definitely not rely on, 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 on those that are just trying to give, for lack of a better word, pity money. Um, I, I, I think we just need to ensure that we are getting paid because we are the best at this. And it's been that way for a long time, right? I know a lot of people don't, don't realize that a lot of some of the greatest things and the greatest inventions that we use and know of every day, some of them are invented by Black folks, but it's not talked about. I remember the first time I saw, and this was many years ago, I don't know if he's still the CEO or still an executive, but one of the lead executives at Nassau was a Black man. Mm-hmm. And all those years, I didn't know that. Right, right. I thought that, no, there's no black man that would work at Nassau. There's just, that's just not possible. That was when I was very young, a teenager. When I found that out, I was just like, oh, that is so cool. When a young black man knows that, it changes his entire perception right, exactly. of what which is possible in the world. Which is exactly like Keith, I was telling Keith, and, and Keith is a firm believer. I mean, we're always pretty much on the same space with this, is why I needed to make sure that we took a concerted effort as a whole, We a show, we are choosing guests who are not receiving the limelight that others have. That's period. Yeah. That's what the show is about. And then secondary is we're choosing guests who people just don't know. And I, this is why we're having you here is so people can say, yes, we exist. And it's funny because, because you actually, you you spoke to that, you know, you want to be the best, right? And it's funny because I can see it happen, right? I can see, you know, you in a room and, and this other guy in a room now, you are clearly best, right? You've been doing this since you were 12 right? You know it. You and are, live broadcast. Yeah. And <laughs> to 80 million people, right? Right. Those broadcasts were going out to 80 million people. Yet, yet because of people's biases in their head, 
they're going to go with this dude, even though he's only two years out of Columbia College Film School, for all the wrong reasons, right? When you are clearly the better choice. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right, exactly. I've seen it happen. Sometimes I get, uh, at the time I remember, you know, you get looked over, and then when things go wrong, then they're calling you back to sort of clean up the mess. And I'm just like, uh, okay, it's going to cost you more, though. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you have to have, like have, have, to lines, in there, have lines in the budget that, that say pain and suffering. It's called a pain yeah. and suffering line. But yeah. even beyond pain and suffering is like, now I'm not just doing the job, I'm cleaning up and doing the job. So right. It's going to yeah. cost more. I, I'm cleaning up the film students' work. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Keith, do you have any closing remarks for Donald? No, you know what? I, I think that was a perfect way to end. I do too. Donville, um, you know, uh, we are so elated to have you on here. I think this was a wonderful and enriching and enlightening uh, conversation for those out there. Uh, most importantly for our listeners and viewers to understand, so hopefully, some of the differences from an educational standpoint between an AV company who's just an AV company, a production company who understands video, which is well needed here uh, when you're producing virtual events, um, and the fact that you can have a mix of media um, through that particular process. Um, right. And, you know, the rest of the things that we talked about. So any closing remarks, Donald, did you like to say? No, um, just I'm glad, I'm glad that I got to be here. And I'm glad too that I got to express that and, and, and talk about it because, um, it's not always a conversation. And, and from us as, as individuals, it's not like we want to talk about that all the time. We just want to talk about tech and, and, be, and doing good business and really cool stuff. Yeah. Things that we can say amazing too. But I, I, do, I, do, I am glad that I got to express um, some of those here today and hope, hoping to that not only will it open the eyes of, of some people that didn't think of, of, of these things, but also, also hoping to motivate more people like myself um to to know that the sky is actually the limit yeah definitely well again thank you so very much and we really appreciate you being here and we'll have you back at some point in time to show us some other stuff that are really cool because keith and i have some great content coming up pretty soon that we're really really excited about we can't tell everyone yet but <laughs> so thank you cool thank you <laughs>